Welcome to Blocks and Talks, the podcast that brings you everything you need to know about LEGO. From covering past, present, and future LEGO sets, to interviews with notable community members, our show covers it all. It's been a while since we've done History of Dino Attack, but we are back, joined by Laura, Scape, and Josh. How's everyone doing? Doing good. How are you? Doing all right. Sorry, Laura, Scape. What did you say? Didn't mean to cut you off. Doing good. Doing good. All right. So picking up where we left off, mutant dinos have seemingly come out of nowhere, intent on destroying everything in their path, and a dino attack strike force team has been made to fight back against them. So far, we've seen some of their smaller vehicles and weaponry used to fight the dinos. But now that the big dogs have arrived, what does the dino attack team have cooked up? So now we have the question of what they face, how they're going to face it, and the where, why, and how of the dinosaurs. Okay, and then... For the where, why, and how of those dinosaurs, we're going to move back a bit in time to where the conflict began. The year 2010... Unbeknownst to the world at large, science has finally succeeded in bringing dinosaurs back to life. It looks like a number of techniques were used. Uh, we have in mutating lizards through radiation contamination mentioned in a Japanese poster, um, and also constructing intelligent nuclear-powered machine replicas from the Durex product description. But something went horribly wrong. These dinosaurs were intelligent, and they were aware that their kind was extinct. It made incredibly angry. They broke out of containment to unleash their rage on those who wronged them. Their intelligence and enhanced ability, the dinosaurs organized themselves into an army, made their way to invade cities all over the globe. So if you were to go to the Dino Attack website back in 2005, kind of open up a scenario where a little animation about um, Dino Attacks spreading across the map, um, you never get a chance to check it out. I think it's fun. Um, given that the entire project was secret all rumors and info regarding the dinosaurs were dismissed as nonsense. One major coastal city sightings of these dinosaurs were dismissed by law enforcement as crazy rumors. This comes from the Dino Attack web story, uh, released in six different chapters. And you'd kind of click on it and you'd get a little overview of the city, um, some uh, information from the different journalists and other people covering the, the dinosaur attack. Uh, so one group of scientists discovered a species of raptor and many of them lizards before they could convince the authorities to take action of Pteranodon, excuse me. But before they could convince the authorities to take action, a Pteranodon swooped in to take out a major radio tower. So communications blackout can mean only one thing, evasion. In the first attacks of the conflict, the dinosaurs targeted a science museum home to some dangerous radioactive experiments, perhaps the radioactive origin. Perhaps their radioactive origins or the fact that their own kind were left on display here provoked some kind of anger with the dinosaurs and hints at a larger idea of sentience and understanding beyond other animals. As we flash forward to the present, the war on the dinosaurs rages on. It becomes clear that the dino attack team's current arsenal of weapons are no match for the bigger and tougher foes. So in response, the team leader specs engineering and intellectual talents to create some of the strongest weapons yet. Firehammer, the Iron Predator, and the T-1 Typhoon. These innovative and destructive machines wreak havoc on the dinos, instrumental in the turning point fight. 
Yeah, and these three sets would be the remaining three sets of this really short-lived theme and wave, but are the biggest and baddest ones of them all. So looking at one of the posters in the LEGO magazine, we see some brief descriptions of the sets, so we'll jump right into that. First one is the Fire Hammer. It is classified as an armored anti-dino assault vehicle and only fits one crewmate and with a gunner on the back and the weapons. It does say it is a multi-mode launcher or a Henan multi-mode launcher, which is basically a big missile launcher. So let's talk about the set itself. Set number 7475 and it is called Firehammer versus Mutant Lizards. It came out in September 1st of 2005 came with 254 pieces, one minifigure, hence why they said it was made by one, and retail for $20, although today it will cost you around $63 new and $33 used, roughly $0.08 cents price per piece. And just looking at this set, it is basically a Jeep and a post-apocalyptic theme. So we got those mutant raptors again, and as mentioned in the previous episode, they come in all sorts of different colors. We got a purple one, a black one, and a brown one, definitely not normal colors, and just adds more to that theme and idea of mutant monster-looking things. Jeep itself is a big uh, four-wheel vehicle, very big and bulky, representative of the theme at the time, just massive armored vehicles. It runs a similar tan and red color scheme, so you got like a striped tan running down the center of the set with just red accents on the side. It's an open Jeep, so no doors, just some big, big windshields. Like the windshields these things are using, they're the two by five old school ones that you see in the Lego City sets. And there's two of them side by side to give an idea of scale. And just to put into perspective, just like how absurdly large this thing is, like original Lego City sets at the time, like we'll use the, the jail transport set for reference, only used a, one of these two by five windshield pieces. So this is, I guess... If Lego followed a consistent scaling, this would be like double the size of a police jailing vehicle. And I'm no car expert, but it looks like this is a four-cylinder engine on the front. It just exposed out there. Kind of like building on that idea of like what we saw with the other sets. Very raw machinery. Just kind of crackpot whatever you can put together. Although with these bigger ones and redesigns, it looks like they are getting a lot stronger and more armored because most of it is actually tiled off. And just talking about the weapon itself, it's pretty innovative for its time, you know? Lego didn't really master integrating Technic with sets at the time, or not to a really clean standard that we know today. So to have a functioning turret that could maneuver up and down, left and right, and just run and shoot these like green-powered missiles, I mean, for its time was pretty cool. And at a retail price of $20, like you couldn't go wrong. Like to think about it, this is basically two size, two sizes of one city vehicle into one for $20. I mean, that's unheard of today, but for its time, that's pretty rad. Uh, overall, I think this set, I'd give it, you know, give it an 8.5 out of 10. I think one more Dino Attack Team minifigure would have been great, but looks really cool as a set. Not sure if you guys had any thoughts on it too. I can just imagine how fun it would be, like, rolling this guy up and down the halls and firing uh, the missile, the little mutant lizards. Uh, yeah. yeah, Mr. Dino Expert Josh, you got any ideas on that one? I mean, it's nowhere near real dinos, but Raptors versus Jeep, what is that looking like? 
Um, I think the matchup is quite interesting, considering that there's this really like open space in the back where you have to climb up the machine gun. So I don't know, potential weakness there, but still interesting. And you can also see one of the raptors climbing on the, the hood too. It's like <laughs> they can climb over it. So interesting. Yeah. And the next one, this was actually my favorite set. I never owned it as a kid, but I remember seeing this in the magazines all the time. I just wanted it so bad. It was as close as Lego would make to a tank at the time. Has the treads and all that. It is called the Iron Predator. It is classified as an all-terrain dino hunter. It seats three crews. It has a Z1 kinetic launcher and a chirothermic cannon. And it's also noted that the engines have been refitted to go up to 300 miles per hour so not only is this thing massive this thing can sprint at you at the speed of light like thing is no joke and this set's pretty impressive clocking at set number 7476 same release date september 1st of 2005 came with 278 pieces three minifigures retailed for around 40 dollars at the time will set you around 113 dollars new and 77 dollars used so for the steam on the price you're in and just jumping to the minifigures, as I did forget with the fire hammer, we'll go back to that. But with the three minifigures here, we have Digger, Specs, and Viper. And something interesting that we learned was that there's actually different variations of the minifigures in these sets. So just jumping into them. So Digger, he, he is classified as with the knife torso. So yeah, he has his standard bandana, like peeking out his stubble, the stubbles on his like chin. Um, he's wearing like this like leather cap helmet, open sleeves, so he's he has no sleeves on his shirt, just got the standard yellow arms, plain black torso uh, legs, and his torso is pretty cool. It's like a gray zipper vest and has like this big red knife, the Dino Attack little logo, like just a yellow square with a D written on it. What appears to be some ammunition on his belt. Pretty pretty simple, but gets the job done. Specs is classified as chemical belt torso. So this one's a little more wild. Specs runs like a fully black profile. Like he's wearing black torso, black legs, black helmet. Only thing is that he's wearing like a gray baklava. That's really cool for times. Like I don't think he got a lot of like ski mask-esque Legos at the time. So really cool customization on that end. Got some gray gloves. And his, his uniform is really grim looking at i think that's the best way to describe it like he's got just all these pouches from what looks like chemical weapons always up to nefarious things his belt has another satchel of things like it's very simplistic these torsos for its time but i think i think they do the job right and kind of match that really grungy dark theme without going too overboard last one viper is classified as the binoculars torso one same thing runs a black profile, so black arms, black legs, black helmet. Got his like Lego lenses, his little glasses. And actually his torso is a little different. It's a gray torso. And there's just a huge clunky pair of binoculars covering like his entire body. So you don't really see anything else. You see like some little pouches stick on the side, but it looks like he's all there for reconnaissance and scouting. And let's just look at the set itself. It is I mean, I'm going to buy it since as a kid, I really wanted this set, but it is so cool. So you got this big four treaded vehicle. So a traditional tank, you know, it has two sets of treads on the side. This one has four for like where each wheel would be. I mean, I guess you got to have that much when you're running 300 miles an hour. 
same thing it has like a big tan body running stripe down the middle got some like big red triangular pieces on the sides with stickers all around to just show like battle damage and armor all over the place and all, right on top of it it's like an open vehicle so there's like almost no cockpit closing them in they're fully exposed and the the big cannon is like the big feature on the back here you got this massive Technic cannon. I'm surprised like this thing doesn't bend from its weight because what is that? It is like a four by ooh, four by like six four by twelve in length on just a cannon alone, and the cockpit is around like a four by six. So this thing is huge. It's a hinged cannon, so it can go left to right, up and down. It has one of those uh, spring-loaded missiles, and we're not talking like the puny ones they have today. This is like back then when Lego was like everything was massive. It had to be in your face. This is like the big big cannon piece that could actually like <laughs> blow your eye out if it hit your thing but it's a really cool looking set and they're against a, what looks to be a t-rex with the green belly variant really wicked scent like this thing's armored to the teeth you got a massive cannon meant for hunting dinos and on the side you got the little cairo cannon which i'm gonna assume is shooting the chemicals because on the side there you see like a little green barrel um i guess i'm gonna lay off a bit on the bias so i'm like overly praising this thing i'm not sure if you guys have anything to say maybe this set looks like not so good i don't know no i, I like it I, I like the more bulkier look of this one and the huge cannon i think it's uh going with the theme of the whole over the top there's some nice parts parts usage um uh the cryo cannon like it was stuck uh jackhammer uh piece into a video camera piece for that one um, it's, uh, not expected. Yeah. It also looks like they've kind of decorated the vehicle with um, dinosaur teeth, spikes. Taken from fallen dinosaurs. Still oh, alive. You are right. Yes, I do see that. Um, not, this is Lego we're talking about. Interesting. And, and the cannon, too. I don't know that it's got some kind of mechanism so that you can trigger it from the very back of the cannon. I don't know that it needed that. That's yeah it's very over the top but i feel like it's cool because you know they could just have the little trigger on the front but i like how they're still building on that idea really raw unfinished product so all that exposed technic i guess could also be interpreted as the firing mechanism of the cannon not fully covered up it's just build something and kill dinos with it sort of thing or capture depending on your philosophy but yeah and once again, just like the fire hammer, these vehicles are looking a lot more refined. Like we're seeing a lot more closed up armor, obviously safe for the cannons firing mechanism, but yeah, they're magically getting better and stronger weapons to fight. So far, very impressive. And last one is probably one of the most iconic Lego sets of the 2000s. I think most people, they wouldn't be familiar with Dino Attack, but if you were to see this set, I think a lot of people would be like, oh, I remember seeing this thing from somewhere. And that would be the T1 Typhoon versus T-Rex set. This is the biggest, baddest set of them all. And this is, as we get to the lore later, the game changer that turns the entire tide of this war. Set number 7477, as mentioned before, official name is T1 Typhoon versus T-Rex. Same thing, came out September 1st of 05. Came with 605 pieces. Four minifigures, retail for $70, and today will cost you around 190 used and 300 new. Wow. 12 cent price per piece, roughly. And the four minifigures you do get are 
if this wants to load. Digger with the rope torso, Shadow with the chemical belt torso, Specs with the tool vest torso, and Viper with the knife torso. So just going into them, Digger. Um, yeah, so in this variant, instead of a big knife, he has like a big water pouch and just a lot of rope, I guess, just to wrangle and get things running. Shadow with his chemical belt torso. He's got like all this like gray face paint on his face. It looks really cool. Got like the standard minifigure helmet with visor. It's very similar to the um the previous chemical belt. It's the exact same. So nothing different about that. Specs with the tool vest. This one's pretty cool. Yeah, Baklava again. It's got the uh helmet with visor. He's wearing like a Kevlar vest, but this is really cool. It's got like all these like explosive unit stuff. You got like the red spool of wire. You got the the pliers, tweezers, something like that. The wire cutters, yes. Screwdriver, and you got a big satchel of C4. Like this one is like, if anyone here has played Counter Strike, this looks like the like a counter terrorist. <laughs> He's got like the full kit on him. That's actually honestly a pretty cool torso. I think. I think it will hold up well today. And last one is Viper with the knife torso. Oh, it's actually the same thing, just him with a knife and the little belt. And before I talk about the set itself, Lego actually in one of their magazines did, or actually specifically, it was the July to August 2005 Lego Magazine board game. This is where it was featured. It actually showcased the T1 Typhoon and all of its specs involved in it. Um, No, I don't want to take the full show. So, Lorescape, you want to cover some of the big bad weaponry on this thing? Yeah, so as part of the um, game that you were talking about, the story behind that was that they were kind of going all over the city, scavenging parks, bring the typhoon line. I thought that was the interesting um, part of the story. Uh, but yeah, as for the specs, there's also like a blueprint of the of the full thing. Um, they call it the Dino Unit 77, um, and they go all out on the techno babble here, like the they uh, point out high torque dampening coils for the rotor noise of the helicopter for near silent stealth operations mode. You got your computerized Newton J5 tail stabilizer to maintain level flight in hostile conditions. Um, <clears throat> on the side, you've got your twin rotating quintronic sonic beam emitters to pacify aggressive reptiles with high frequency sound waves. Um, again, this is something that doesn't necessarily as uh, sonic weaponry. Um, looks more like kind of giant machine gun, but, um, you know, got to keep it kid friendly. Um, we've got electro solar energy collectors for radiant heat and light to power the sonic beam emitters. Got your heat shielded laser reflected armor plating defends against the dino's toughest weapons. And again, in the, in the board game, like they were scavenging parts from uh, a fighter jet that crashed during the initial attack. Um, so it was a very epic story. Um, you've got your XL4 Voltaic launcher that packs a major charge in its impressive power cells. The Technic launcher is also on the Iron Predator. You've got your omnidirectional flax PLR, excuse me, PLARXX. I have no idea what that uh, acronym is supposed to stand for, but I like it. Uh, radar ray scrambles, run it on sensors, knock it in the air. Mark, mark. Got your onboard Talon 9 sensor system that provides full navigational data in night, snow, rain, and fog. Got your shielded cockpit that provides heads up piloting data and back enhanced flight. 
Um, so yeah, overall, this was the uh, most advanced piece of weaponry and the the biggest vehicle that they had to try and fight against the dinosaurs. And basically, this what was uh, finally successful, running them out of the city. Um, really cool. No, oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, the fact that it got its own description, unlike the other sets, like it got its own blueprint with full details, I think it's kind of its own flex. Like everything about it is so over the top, like you said. And I just like the creativity aspect on it. Like with the blueprint, you kind of get like a see-through of all the mechanics inside. And um, they kind of like let your creativity run wild. So we see with like the ball turret in the front or the front armor piece that, you know, in real Lego, it is just a closed ball turret and a cockpit windshield piece. They kind of have like a see-through to show what it would look like. You see like all the machinery and um, intricate parts that would make it go in like in reality this isn't what's actually on the inside it's just a solid piece of plastic but i just like it because it kind of encourages kids to kind of see more than what the brick is you know what i'm saying like it's not just a circular piece it is like a housing engine for the stuff inside and i just like that because it sticks like the lego theme of like being creative even though it is a very violent way of imagining it like I think it's a really good, especially for like mock builders and stuff, seeing bricks more than what they literally are, like a one by two or a two by three, like maybe on a ship or something like this two by three, suddenly the engine part, or this is some armor plating, just something like that. So really cool. And especially for its time too, because, you know, Lego around this time was still very strictly kids focused. Adults weren't really considered. Lego was still largely considered a kid's toy. So to have something a little more advanced like that because today we see interpreting bricks as like different things like you know how lego uses you know like a blade or a frog to represent something so to have just like these ideas planted this early on i feel like you know it's just ahead of its time as is most things about this theme really cool and let's just talk about the set itself it is a massive helicopter like to get put it into perspective just how overscaled this thing is if you were to line this up next to like a play scale star destroyer or something of the sort this thing would keep up in size i think in length to it even out out like lengths it like this thing is a massive playset for its time and it's just a i mean the more i look at it it really is ahead of its time with how like tiled off and smooth it looks so i just want to start with the top which is probably arguably the weakest part of it build wise it is just a, um, the propeller up top, and it is purely built with tiles. It's really messy looking. For its I mean, for its time, it's all right, but it's really messy looking. It's just really amateur looking, just a bunch of tiles plated on, no, stud, uh, no tiles or anything, just plates put it on, all studs exposed. But connecting just right underneath it is where it starts getting great, like all these red and tan once again, so... The same theme, big tan, like middle side, and then all the red accompanying on the left and right of it. And there's just like a lot of play features. So the front has two windows for cockpits. And once again, really big. So when we think Star Wars cockpits and all that, I, I like using Star Wars. I feel like that's a theme most people kind of recognize and can relate to or visualize. The cockpit size of these things is equal to like, they're, they're massive. They're like the massive specialized cockpit pieces. I'm thinking like the original 2006 Batman Batmobile set, but I feel like that'd be too obscure. Oh, uh, what is something equivalent? 
let's just think it's almost like a UCS X-Wing level cockpit size and think two of them, not quite as big, but almost as big, two of them just for the front. Like that's how big this set is. And on top of that, you got like the side, like the inside where you have like this machine gun pointing out, looks like it's loaded with some kind of green chemical. And to the uh, left of it, you got some like dino spikes once again, probably war trophies. And just this big canister of like toxic chemicals, you know, it's got like the warning, the red triangle warning connected in, I'm guessing that's the fuel from the machine gun. And on the side too, you got like a spooling net. It looks like you can catch a pterodon that's flying through the air. The side profile, you got more of those like green goo machine guns. You got some like little storage cases to hold stuff. The back is well armored, like the back tail. It's like the stabilizer, I think it was called. Really thick plating, like it's using two stud wide but like really thick bricks um the side is where i was really impressed like you know lego at its time was really bulky and blocky especially if we saw the other dino attack sets but this one is fully tiled off on sides it uses like snot techniques all the way on the side so there's barely any stud sticking out however the caveat is that it uses really big specialized pieces which hence also drives up its price point because it uses big red windshield pieces and this big red um piece that you see a lot with like general grievous's starfighter like so that big angular piece so a lot of big pieces are bulking up the price and even today these are pretty expensive parts because they the really exclusive color and came in only these sets we see like the side sonic cannon like you said lore escape looks just like a machine gun although technically it shoots noise and once again, they have one of those big spring-loaded shooters on the bottom, like this thing. In every definition, armed to the teeth and ready to kill. And just looking all around, um, there's a red belly T-Rex this time. So instead of a green variant, you got the red, and you got a pterodon with the green belly. I mean, really sick set. This one's like an easy 10 out of 10. Like, I think for 70 at a time, this is, it's massive, like, you're going to have to Google it up to get an idea of scale. Like to charge only 70 at the time for a set this large is pretty absurd. Like, what do you guys think? I feel like it's been a pretty fun build. Um, it's not... Some of the, the vehicles time period were a little bit by its side. But this one definitely isn't. I love how all of the pieces work together to contribute. like a lot of fun to build all right awesome yeah this is definitely my favorite it looks super specked out with all the the weapons there's like five different ones on the one helicopter but yeah i like it i think it's great and like you said like it looks super armored and stable and stuff so super over the top again but awesome yeah, and that would pretty much wrap up all the sets. Like we said, you know, it's only five sets in this theme, like five true sets. We don't really count the side poly bags or whatever, but not a lot of sets, but there's just so much to talk about with it. And, you know, speaking of talking about, I just wanted to take a quick moment, you know, Josh, to tap into your expertise with dinos, although this is completely unrelated. Let's just like theory craft how effective these weapons would have been against a mutant dino. Like I know the lore says one thing, but let's just kind of think about it. Well, like, start with the helicopter. Like, would launching chemicals work on dinosaurs? Like, I'm not sure how tough or resilient their skin was or whatnot. Well, I mean, skin-wise, 
I'm guessing it'd be very similar to like they're reptiles at the end of the day, so it'd be really similar. So not I wouldn't say it's anything particularly special over, you know, other types of animal skins. I mean if they're amphibious, they'd definitely be dead. They breathe through their skin. Reptiles are I guess a bit more re resilient. Have you ever seen like Komodo dragon skins? Like those are super tough. But again, chemicals could be pretty effective. It's just how long it would take to actually work on them. Maybe if it gets in their eyes, that'd be much more effective. But yeah, on skin, I'd feel like like a projectile-based weapon would be more effective. But I guess it depends on how quick the chemical acts. Well, speaking of projectile-based, you got that spring-loaded missile in the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> so if the one thing doesn't work, throw the other at them. That, what I was also wondering, though, is like if their missiles are like honing missiles, like actually, sorry, homing missiles that actually follow um, their targets. Because I was thinking about, you know, the pterodons in particular and how they kind of, the addition of them kind of changes the game in terms of uh, like uh, warfare, I guess, between dinosaurs. Because, I mean, just like the World War One episode, right? The planes kind of changed the game terms of aerial combat so they think they, they make things a lot more difficult in my opinion and i'm not sure how like a really maneuverable animal like a pterodon um be taken down by like a helicopter it's sort of more bulkier and armored and kind of slow moving even if it does have five six weapons on it i'd feel like it's really difficult to sort of get like a gauge on them unless they have really good like homing missiles or something something targeted and like really size yeah and that's a completely accurate point and uh, it doesn't look like there's any indication of like computer assisted um, program or no computer assisted aiming so mm. looks like this thing's purely on the skill of them um i mean yeah you're right it completely changes the game as if you look at all the other sets none of them really have anti-aircraft capabilities to like an yeah. effective degree so this typhoon really was the only thing that could stand up to the pterodon. Like, I like, guess yeah. the uh, the cannon on the tank could sort of help, but that means that the the minigun is like all that's protecting it on the ground. So yeah. it's like kind of a tough. And you know, and you can see in that set, like it's matched up against a T Rex. So I mean, a minigun versus a T Rex, while Pro the cannon's preoccupied with pterodon, it's not really the best advantage there. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I'm also wondering, I'm not sure how reptiles like react to sound. Would the sound cannons that like would incapacitate them, would that really be effective? I'm not sure. Um, That's a really good question. I feel like, they, I mean, their sound would definitely be more uh, effective than ours, like our hearing systems, because, you know, they're naturally capable hunters. But um, maybe it could incapacitate them. I don't know knowing that they're more sensitive to sound than mm -hmm. we are possible and here's an interesting tidbit i just looked back at the comic and i actually noted that the fire hammer has front and side armor with 12 inches of cyber titanium so obviously titanium is a very strong material and for it to have that thick of armor plating and it's cyber titanium which i'm going to assume is even more enhanced and for these dinosaurs to be able to even make scratch marks, as noted in like the battle damage on this enhanced armor, I think it really shows the strength of them compared to probably what a traditional dinosaur is. Just to get an idea of like when we're theory crafting these weapons.
like so when we jump to the fire hammer i feel like that's probably the least effective yeah. under the assumption that it is only one man piloting it as like the sets indicate as you need someone to drive it and then what you don't have to jump to the back and shoot and i think josh you did mention that raptors are really fast right yeah i was going to mention with my engineering background a huge concern with building anything uh in terms of material is how heavy you make things trying to make it more um durable so the uh so what is what was the material again cyber titanium cyber ti i know titanium is really heavy oh really so cyber titanium who knows yeah <laughs> how heavy or, that is or maybe cyber is like a more refined version yeah where it isn't like or yeah actually that's a good point but regardless it's not like aluminum aluminum is really light right mm -hmm. so my concern with this is while it could protect against t-rex like really effectively given how strong it is you know how fast would this thing be against you know low level uh lizards I get to call them lizards not you and lizard yeah you and lizards yeah sure <laughs> But um, yeah, and you can see them on the set, you know, like climbing over everything. I couldn't imagine it would be that quick, um, compared to like a whole pack of them. Mm -hmm. Given how each one of them are extremely fast, so it's a tough matchup, right? Yeah, for sure. And what are generally like the running speeds of dinosaurs? Just to get an idea of like how oh, well really, these vehicles can keep. That's up. a really good question because I actually don't know, but I do know. Even like the fastest crocodile can gallop like maybe 20 up to 30 miles an hour. So could you imagine like a bipedal raptor? Probably way faster. Mm. And you know, um, like the I mentioned this in the last episode, like first birds being like originally raptors, like same group of like the same family of reptiles. And um, there's a theory where it's like the wings developed as an assisting mechanism like as they're running they can run even faster so they must have already had to have been really fast and then the wings sort of gave them an extra advantage that theory i don't think that theory actually checks out compared to what we know today but it's still like one working theory for how wings came about but the point is um they must have already been like super super fast so yeah all right yeah i mean the Iron Predator could go up to 300 miles an hour. So I think they do have it accounted. I probably could outrun or keep up with some of these things. Mm. I guess it's a matter of fuel at that point, with how much it's burning. But And keep in mind, they're also mutants, so they could probably go even faster. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, this is just crazy. Like, I, I, I don't know. I feel like these kind of discussions are what makes Lego fun because, mm -hmm. you know, there's no basis on any of this. We're just speculating and, you know, just fun running with our creativity. Yeah. And, I guess give the Iron Predator some some little love. Let's give it a quick analysis. No bias, obviously. Oh. But yeah, I mean, that one also looks like it'd be effective, assuming all of its weapons are focused on one thing. Um, like you said, they're probably more weak to direct attacks, so the cannon would probably be really effective. I'm curious about the maneuverability, though. It looks like the treads can't really turn left or right on the set. So I'm guessing, is this like a forward-backward-only vehicle? Or maybe it's just like a limitation. But it does look like um, all of its eggs are in one basket. It, it needs the cannon to activate. Because without it, it looks like it's just a sitting duck with a little chemical gun. Especially since this thing is classified as a dino hunter, not a defender this time. So that's a big thing, too. With these weapons, these things are classified as like hunters and killers. not No more like protecting the streets. This thing, they're ready to turn the tide with these things. 
So this thing will probably be matched up against some of the big and bad ones. So it needs to get its cannon running. But yeah, just a cool little thing to go off of. And let's just see the weapons of the test because LEGO actually did have a comic called Dino Attack Invasion. It was a smaller part of a LEGO magazine from September to October 2005. That's also where we got our other little sources from about the weapon classifications. So it's a little comic that kind of details one of the big fights just to give an idea of what it did look like. Because, you know, descriptions can only do so much. Let's look at how it's actually depicted. So with that, uh, Loris, if you want to just take us away with describing, just talking through the comic? Yeah, so the, this comic is very intense compared to people, um, like of comics time. Um, it's all interesting angles, and they've got a, a cool illustrated background. Um, they see the vehicles in action. Um, kind of talking about some of the potential limitations um, for the fire hammer. I think that you guys were talking about earlier. It looks like here it's depicted as one minifigure driving it and the other one in the back to fire the, the cannon at the Pteranodon. So um, it, it uh, shows that they've got another weapon in their arsenal against the Pteranodon at the same time. It, you know, even though it comes with one minifigure, um, that's not necessarily how it's operated. Um, it also shows the um, steel sprinter going through the, the sewers hunting down um, mutant lizards. Um, so uh, with all that, uh, the, the framing story is um, from the, the point of view of a news broadcast that kind of uh, go into it, um, telling you about how dinosaurs have made a major city, et cetera, et cetera, catching up on the story. Um, again, most of the lore at the time was uh, in the form of, of radio broadcasts um, like that from different stations in the city. So that's kind of fun. Um, then they... Uh, cut you in on the, the calm chatter between different characters to the, the Iron Predator in pursuit of a raptor. Kind of mixing it up, I think, by showing the vehicle going up against dinosaurs that they weren't packaged with. Um, I think that's thing. Um, uh, they run into the T-Rex. Um, they, they were following a raptor um, that kind of led them into a trap that demonstrates the intelligence of they fired Z1 launcher at it, um, and uh, so that's tended to get attention. Of the the T1 typhoon comes in, um, and it's here that we find out that the T Rex also has laser vision in addition to its other powers. Um, takes a shot at the helicopter, um, and uh, it's uh, damaged, but it's still flying. They fire back Quintronic beam emitters at it. Um, get your action lines. We're going to wish you had stayed extinct, T Rex. Um, they, uh, um, they go head to head as an aesthetic. T Rex, um, uh, kind of making the story yourself at points. Dino attack. Yeah, I mean, I just took a quick look through the whole magazine, and you're right. Like, Dino Tech wasn't the only thing. If you look at all the other pages, it talks about like Bionicle and then even like the old Harry Potter and Castle themes. Like all every page here is dark. Like there's not a single light colored page. Everything's just so grungy and I'm not saying sad, but just dark. And yeah, I mean, look at the comic. I think it really gives a good idea of 
how the fights looked like i think the best way to describe it is just pest extermination it was just tracking them down wherever so like you said the sewers or through the streets and just chasing them down and just trying to exterminate them it didn't look like they really had a coherent strategy it was more so shoot them on the spot and wherever we can and i guess this one comic actually proves one of our points wrong so it looks like the fire hammer actually is taking on the pterodon so looks like there is a little more anti-aircraft capability than we initially expected and like you said the raptor capable of leading them to a trap it does like signal that these dinos were more intelligent than what meets the eye and capable of working together and even for the tank hunter the the missile it didn't seem to do too much damage as when they fired it right a direct hit on that thing all they said is that it got its attention and if anything it just got it angrier to shoot its lasers which makes me wonder now like how effective were these weapons really and did they really place all their bets on the typhoon to do all the work because even looking at it the typhoon was hit by the lasers and is like taking damage but it was still all right so i guess josh that cyber titanium really is strong if you can withstand a laser attack and something funny too has we talked about how the cannons or the machine guns on the typhoon were sound emitters but here if we look at it it's making like a rat tat tat sound effect which makes me think it's a machine gun so i wonder i didn't catch that like is there an inconsistency there or is that how sound is fired i mean josh i don't think that's how it works with it now firing sound like a machine gun wrapped in little bursts i don't think it'd be as effective as like shooting one big boom right i can definitely say that would be really annoying annoying okay so it's not gonna do anything yeah i'm picturing like a lego movie type scenario where it's literally like rat, tat, 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 tat. like not that bugging me <laughs> yeah exactly really goofy i guess some lighthearted action but overall it looks like it really the bulk of the fighting is against the big bad so like i'm guessing given that the raptors or even the mutant lizards weren't really highlighted here they were probably disposed of pretty easily. So those guys were probably handled. I mean, I'd imagine the typhoon would just turn them to mush. But there's mostly these big bad dinosaurs fighting up against them. And if we just look all around, like, the city is actually surprisingly intact. If we look at the background, like, most of the, the structure is still there. It just looks like there's a lot of fire everywhere. Which makes me wonder what the dinosaurs are truly trying to target. And even then, if we look at the the big dino during the fight, it looks like he's salivating when they're trying to fight him. So I wonder if like there's something in the vehicles, maybe like a metal or something that's like getting him all worked up, or if he's trying to eat the people. Yeah, I'm actually curious like what their motivation is or why he's driven to like this level of hunger, or maybe he's just so unstable that he's just constantly drooling, almost like rabies. Oh, maybe maybe that's what it is. Yeah, but. Um, that comic kind of was a showing of one of the biggest fights because shortly after, um, the T-Rex, it doesn't show it directly, but the Dino Hunters, Dino Attack Team would eventually win out the fight. And with the description, it says like, you know, the city was saved and the dinos fled toward a cavern on the outskirts of the city. Specs recommended medals be awarded to Viper, Shadow, and Digger for their service during the fight. And things were looking like they were starting to go to normal. As the city was getting rebuilt, dinos were finally gone. Apparently. And 
Yeah, now that the city was no longer a threat because it seemed like the dinos, now that they got their butts kicked, they didn't really want to fight. It seemed like Spex was able to finally take some time to look at like, the dinosaurs that lay around or capture some and just study them to see what's up with them. So in between the further conflicts with the dinos, since remember, they were only driven out of the area, not fully extinct. So Digger and Specs returned to um, their, their original interests of field excavations. Viper would actually join them. And they just wanted to learn more about like the dinosaurs because knowing your enemy is the best way to prepare against them. And actually, here's a fun little cameo. So the famous archaeologist and paleontologist, Dr. Kilroy, well known for his encounters with dinosaurs on Dino Island, asked for the dino team's assistance to find the legendary jewel triceratops, all according to the My Lego Network. And it's funny because Dr. Kilroy actually is part of the uh, Lego, was it Ori Adventures? Is that what it was called? Uh, Lorescape? Yeah. yeah, he was a key member of the Adventures um, back in the day. So there when um, they, they went to Dino Island, and that was when you found out he was also an expert on dinosaurs, apparently, in addition to being an archaeologist. Um, yeah. So that's a, that's a cool connection. Another one is that um, uh, another of the Adventurers characters, Johnny Thunder, um, had a descendant named Josh Thunder, member of the Dino team for the next uh, incarnation. Dino 2012. Another cool connection there. Mm-hmm. And kind of to wrap up the whole battle and stuff. So while the fight was won and the world was saved from dino terror, you got to remember the dinos only retreated. They weren't driven to extinction. So there, it's only a matter of time before they come back. And this open-ended conclusion is one that kind of reflects the nature of the theme. You know, a lot of things were kind of given as guidelines, but a lot of it was also left to inter- for the player or kids to interpret and make up their own story. Like, what would happen after? How would the future fights play out? And kind of ties back to, like, all about creativity and making your own things with Lego. Really cool with that. But, yeah, this also didn't stop fans from creating their own endings, with some going as far to create, like, full-on RPG, RPGs that would run over a decade long. In an upcoming episode, actually, as a surprise, we'll be joined by Peabody Sam, who is actually one of the big contributors to the iconic Lego Dino Attack RPG game, and just learn more about like how he interpreted all these storylines and give suggestions or even well-crafted theories as to where these dinos came from and such. But yeah, that pretty much wraps up like the original storyline. In these coming episodes, we're going to be covering things such as the website and just how the theme was made because there is background on like the origins of how the Lego team drafted up this theme, what went through, what didn't. And the Dino 2010 theme, which is the alternate version, which is where they capture the dinosaurs and trap them instead of killing them. So yeah, as for that, that wraps up the original given storyline. I want to thank Laura Scape and Josh for joining me for today's episode. Thank you guys. Anytime. Great to be here. Of course. And don't forget, guys, to check out Laura Scape's YouTube channel, also known as Laura Scape. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram and YouTube at Blocks and Talks. Thanks again, guys, for listening, and see you next episode.